You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Galari. Hey, what is going on? Do you know my daughter is playing Taekwondo and she really likes it and finding the right coach and trainer is really hard and we found a very good one. But I'm wondering if you don't have access to good trainers. How do you leverage the technology around you to make these people more accessible? So like maybe you have a top coach from you know, a professional team that wants to do some give back and wants to help some kids sort of develop. Or you have an athlete that wants to give some tips back to kids on how to develop their skill around certain things. So they're having that, that connection because how are they engaged with us? They're engaging us in big events and activities, but can we get them down to a one-on-one element? Is it possible? I think that technology is actually really helpful to help us to have access to good resources. And so, it, I mean, the sport can be one of them. So how, if you want to be athletes, really want to focus on what you're doing in the sport. So do you have access to the right coach, to the right trainer? Or you'll get the re- um, receive a feedback from the experts under your own field. You know, soccer, it can be hockey, it can be many things. So how are you going to have access to that one through the apps, maybe? Mobile apps. Hmm? It can be very possible to send a video to someone and someone give you feedback. It's very expert on that field. I think that we have someone today that he can help us. Taylor is here to help us to understand how technology can help athletes. Yes, yes. Hello, Taylor, and welcome to Innovation Fuel. We're so excited to have you on the show. But before we get into our conversation, we got to know a little bit about you, my friend. We got to connect you to our audience. Tell us a little brief summary of who you are, Taylor. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. A little about me um, I'm just a guy who likes to go outdoors. I love tech, I have a tech company, and I love sports. I think. I'm just a very basic, very basic guy. I mean, it's it's always hard when people ask me about me. I'm just, I just like love to do work, love to get things done. I think at the end of the day, I'm just, I love the idea of execution and operations. You like a sport and tech. It's a great combination. You kind of said sport and tech, but you know, and I see some things in your sort of background about some entrepreneurial pieces. You know, you like to try new things, I think, eh? It was funny. We were on a phone call not too long ago with uh, someone who's another CEO of a company for someone we're getting services from. And we were actually on a call with her and then one of the people that were work for her company. And it was funny because um, she just had mentioned how it was me and my co-founder, her and the worker. And, and she was like, OK, like to her worker, she was like, you don't really understand the conversation here because it's like entrepreneurs are really risky people and like to do a lot of you know things to try new things, see how things work. And definitely part of my story. I love the idea that, you know, the more things you try, the more, you know, chances you are closer to making something work at some point, whether you take those things in and actually learn from them. So I've done, you know, definitely many different sort of things. So like when I was at BCIT, finishing up my diploma there, I decided that in between my first semester or my first year, my second year, that I was going to, you know, try and actually do some digital marketing 
to you know actually figure out okay is entrepreneurship for me because I was in the entrepreneurship option there and so in that first summer I decided to not take an internship or co-op which could easily be done to get some experience and some work experience I instead decided to just knock some doors of businesses and and try and help them with their social media and digital marketing and to prepare for this and one thing that you know anyone that wants to go into entrepreneurship should do is just do something for free and and I did a lot of that work for free for someone that I knew that was in real estate to test it out and see just how good I am at doing you know digital marketing at the time and, and playing around in that and so did that for 3 months with him and then after that I had enough to then go and actually get work with you know an actual company that they were doing it was a crossfit gym in Langley and so I had work with them and I was making about $700 a month from them after knocking you know doors for about a week in the first week of the summer which i think a lot of people like in that first week it was it was very like it didn't feel like a week it felt so much longer because you have a lot of your friends that are in your in your school are already out there working and making money and you're sitting there like i have nothing and so in that first week i was lucky enough to get on the phone and be able to do the product for this CrossFit gym in Langley, which was a great starting point. And then by the end of the summer, I had 11 clients and was doing $3,000 a month just from helping this people with digital marketing. And that was a great you know, experience, especially going into the last sort of year of schooling. Unfortunately, by December of that year, because I continued doing it, obviously, because you have this drive and you're already working with them. By December, I had to stop doing that because at BCIT, you're in eight classes. So I stopped doing that. But, you know, continued on like a few months later, I came up with an idea called Trova, which was just Airbnb for parking, not anything like revolutionary, because obviously people have thought about that at some point. And this was March of 2019. So a few months after just stopping doing that, my mind was already wondering about the next sort of thing that I can do. And I think anyone that you know, has an entrepreneur spirit or anything like that can relate that you're always like thinking about something. And so then I started doing Trova, which which I came up with just because I would drive to BCIT and I didn't want to pay for $5 a day for parking. And so there was houses across the street from BCIT that had free parking for two hours, but you would get tickets and it was numerous, like people would get tickets all the time over there because they would park for the entire day instead of just parking at school and paying. So you'd end up paying way more in tickets. So instead, I just thought, okay, maybe I'll knock some doors around here and see if some like some families or people living in here are willing to rent out their parking space to their house just to kids during the day. And that kind of got started up. We were building the tech and everything. And we were in the SFU Venture Connections Accelerator. And as well, we had a few students actually saving 50% on their parking by just parking over on the other side of the street, which is just funny enough that it's literally just maybe a five minutes extra to your walk or two minutes extra to your walk. So I was doing that for a bit. I had then graduated from BCIT. So I was, I was working and doing this on the side as well. And then the pandemic sort of hit, which then obviously takes all that away because nobody was going to school or driving to school. And so we were still in Venture Connection doing that. But then, then came the idea for Treno at the time too which has just exploded a lot quicker than anything I've ever done in the ways of investment in tech and and kind of merging. Like I said, like I love tech and I love sports. I did play high level cross when I was a kid. I was scouted in Div 2 and I played on a, a team that toured down in the States. So I was able to merge the two with what I'm doing now. So that's kind of like a lot of random things. I think that we have many, many interviews with a lot of entrepreneurs. It's, it's always most of them, they are connecting their hobbies, what they know, and try many things finally to find out what is the best for them. But here is, oh, I have a question. What is Trenos? Yeah. So what we're doing is, and where the idea stemmed from, is just this 
idea that a youth athlete would be able to send their game film or practice film to a pro athlete, a semi-pro athlete, or a really high-level coach. They play it at such a high level that they can give a lot better feedback than, you know, someone who has a coach who never even made it to play A in lacrosse or whatever, or never played rep or is a beer league coach and it can never really help them to get to maybe where they want to go. And also this idea that you can just watch a drills on YouTube and those actually end up helping you, which in reality, it's not personalized to you. Everyone's watching those. Those are very basic. It's not this next level of help. And so within the application, you're actually able to send three minutes of game film. You send what you want feedback on directly, and you can send that off to a pro within the sport. Obviously, there's a cost to it. It is a marketplace. But within that, you then receive personalized feedback uh, within the form of a selfie from that pro athlete. So if you're a youth athlete, you know, 13 to 18, you know, that, that can be super big because you do get to keep it after as motivation. But those are personal connections that you can never get otherwise. Like one other thing that we saw within Treno is that, you know, a kid who lives in the middle of Canada or the middle of the States can't go to these huge camps that are taking place on the West Coast or the East Coast. They're never going to be, you know, a huge camp is never going to be in North Dakota. So creating a spot where you're able to connect with these people from anywhere. And COVID really helped come up with the idea, obviously, that you're not able to reach these people. But that's, you know, essentially what we're doing at Trena. So typically, Taylor, these individuals, these professional athletes, they run camps themselves? Yeah. So a lot of these pro guys. So, you know, for example, we have Michael Delzato from the NHL. We have... um We've got NWHL player Mallory Soloyotis. We have uh, from lacrosse personal connections. I have Ryland Rees, who's an all-world player. Um, We just got Ryan Lee, who's one of the all-time players at RIT uh, for lacrosse. These guys would be guys that would hold camps as well. Um, We're also going to have guys that don't hold camps like CFL players. We have tons of CFL players that have come on. Um, So even people who are at a high level, but don't have the opportunity to set up camps or reach out to these kids. So it's another spot for kids to then reach them. Typically they'll have camps, but more than often not. So you mean that if one person, this one, a 14 years old boy in Pakistan wants to get as the coach in, for example, Vancouver or Italy. For sure. Like that's, that's a whole point of it. Right. Like, Especially for in in basketball, I can't wait till you know at the point that we're able to reach the Chinese market or markets that you know are big for basketball outside of the United States and and kids that want to get better. Especially even in soccer, where there might be kids that are in the states and Canada that want to get really good at soccer. But as we all know, like soccer in North America isn't at the same level that is in Europe or. Asia as well. The whole point of it, you know, is just connecting these two that you can't do. Like kids can't pay or parents don't normally have the money for a kid to be able to connect with these athletes um, in the way that, you know, higher net worth individuals are able to send their kid to a camp that costs $3,000 or $1,000 to go to, including having to pay to get there in most cases as well. But you also have a two-sided model here too, Tyler, because you have the, as Galari's talking about, it's a target market that 13 to 18. And it seems like they're high performance. They're on track to go to more professional elements. But you have the other side. You've got to build the funnel on the other side in order to have the drawing power. 
that's the thing about marketplaces that it's one of the hardest things at the end. And the funny thing is, is like the mo- majority of the businesses that I've tried to do are in marketplaces, which I recently was listening to something and it, it kind of made my eyes open and look into that. The majority of the biggest businesses in the world and the ones that kind of rule the world are at the end of the day marketplaces, whether you know that they are or not. Um, and yeah, getting the supply side is definitely, you know, the, one of the hardest parts, but once you get, once you really get it going, you're, you're really well off because in, especially in our case. So, you know, once we can make it a streamlined process to get these athletes on, whether that's through referrals and, and reach outs, it, it makes it a lot easier. So right now we're averaging a new athlete every day. And typically that's for free right now because we've reached out to CFL players, AHL players, guys who are just on the cusp of being something that someone like would pay hundreds of dollars for. Um, but these guys, like uh, an average uh, youth athlete is going to spend 30, maybe upwards of $50 for that feedback because these are still people that play at a level that you would see as way higher than what you've gotten to like it still is very hard to get in the cfl it's still very hard to get in the ahl so there is some worthiness there so filling up our supply side and and doing that before even launch as well is is hard as well because you're you're trying to attract these athletes in our case that we can't tell them hey these are the metrics you're going to be making a thousand dollars a month or two thousand because we haven't we don't even have those metrics and we don't want to tell them something that's a lie there are two questions here for me it's that what is the cost of delivery for you for you as a trainer and another one parents are paying the kids are paying and the coach are paying to you yeah so there's a lot of different things that run into that cost of delivery when it comes to the application itself doesn't really cost us anything that's the great thing about being in tech is that we can scale it up so really little to none besides outside of what the application has costed to actually make in the first place Outside of that, like I said, like right now we're averaging with the the marketing spend, and that's something that I can sure I can talk about too. Is that our marketing concept is marketing through a lot of the athletes that we have coming on board, and some athletes that are NHL guys, NBA guys, they're not going to do that for free. So there is a cost to that. The average cost per athlete currently over the board, um, due to some athletes costing a lot more than certain athletes, is about a thousand dollars per athlete right now. That's going to only go down as we bring on a lot more of these athletes on for free. We're finding that CFL, AHL, all those guys are coming in. Tons of them are coming in for free. But a lot of these guys who are NBA guys don't want to come on for free in the first place because there's no guaranteed, hey, you can make $10,000, even though at some point we hope to get them making ten grand a month uh, from just doing a few, you know, doing a certain amount of trenos per per month. So once we have that, we're going to be able to lower that dramatically um, in the long term. But right now, that's just how much it has to be. We're dealing with people that are already making millions of dollars and we need to attract them. On the other side, athletes themselves don't have to pay anything outside of what their time is worth. So we have made it so a treno will only take maximum or I guess minimum five minutes of their time. So that's by reducing the amount of minutes they have to watch game film for, which is three minutes maximum, making it super easy for them to read and know that there's feedback. Okay, they want this one piece of feedback. I'm looking for that in the film. Maybe they know what they want to give feedback on within the first minute of that game film. It's up to the pro athlete. We've seen no problems so far from a lot of the athletes that are coming on. Some have even said that they're willing even to do longer. On the other side, though, with our actual paying users, 
or youth athletes and parents. We have yet to sort of see where that comes from within the statistics of the company, but we're most likely going to see at the very minimum, we, we most likely will see a 50-50 youth athletes versus parents because we do deal with 16, 17, 18. They're probably willing to pay and have the money to spend on a treno here and there if it's $30 or $25. And a parent who's a parent of a 13, 14, 15, you know, going to 16 years old, depending on if they work or not. One thing that we've heard from these parents is that they hear that some other kid in their class or their team has gotten a treno from said athlete, that a lot of them are going to be willing to turn around and pay that money as well to get their child that same experience. Because nothing beats, you know, in my opinion, nothing beats that moment where a kid sees their athlete who they like or an athlete that they know giving them feedback that the face that they get. And if you watch anything, kids just being able to be interacting with those athletes, it's nothing that's going to be beat. So we have no doubt that a lot of these parents are going to be willing to pay for, especially those younger kids. With that, Taylor, like what type of revenue model are you looking towards? A per transaction revenue model? Are you going to lean towards a subscription-based model? How do you move forward to to enlighten those individuals? Yeah. So in the marketplace, we do per transaction. We do look at a subscription in the very long term, it, it doesn't make sense at the start for us to, to go that direction. And so with the marketplace, we do a 75-25. It's the same as a lot of what our competitors do as well. It's not a not known sort of structure. So 25-75, following the same idea of how most marketplaces work and and hopefully along, you know, in the in the long term, able to kind of change and adjust as uh, we see different revenue opportunities. There is any legal challenge you have for your app? I guess the one thing that we're, we've had to make sure is within terms of service and, and all that kind of jazz is that no one can use these trenos that a pro athlete sends as marketing material. That's not allowed just because obviously that's, you know, you don't have their name and likeness. They are an individual that has power to them. So you can't use those. So we've had to make it very much within our terms of terms of service and adjusting that to make sure that it fits within our business model because we are utilizing it's not a product that people are paying in the marketplace. It's it's an actual person and and within that takes a lot of different things. So we've taken a lot of caution to make sure that within our dashboard and within our company that we're able to, you know, make quick moves if there's someone that, you know, sends a treno that isn't appropriate to a youth athlete. In that case as well, we we have the right things in in place to make sure that those things don't happen. But uh, other than that, we haven't run into anything. I'm sure down the line as we're utilizing people that are of high uh, celebrity status in some ways that that we will, but nothing uh, so far. So with Taylor, like because the other side of it that, that comes to my mind is the liability. The liability of the athlete that makes a recommendation to the kid, the kid go does that, breaks their leg. How do you release the professional athlete from these things? Because it could be pretty slippery slope. Yeah, so that's the same as um, it's the same as telling someone that like this isn't financial advice. At the end of the day, it's saying, hey, this is not going to make you a pro. This is here as ad- advice to you, and you can take it whether or not like it's really in that case, like how, how we go about it and how we make sure that when people are coming to Trento, they know that, Hey, this isn't like, just because these are coming from people that are a very high standard that at the end of the day, like it still is, you know, your personal situation that you still have to go out and do the things that you need to do. Um, so at the end of the day, it's like, it's taking feedback from anyone. It's, it's really up to you. And, and to know that this isn't something that, you know, is going to make you a pro all of a sudden just by doing this. And making sure that that's put out to these youth athletes uh, beforehand is is something that we're we're making sure to have them involved, and that's something that we tell 
a lot of these pro athletes when they're coming on that, hey, by the way, you know, these kids aren't coming for super structured advice because at the end of the day, you're just getting a selfie video back that they're coming for the connection with the pro athlete and with themselves and the feedback that can be pertained within that. So where do you see Taylor? Where do you see this going? Like, where do you see your scaling up to? You, you see, you know, you're, you're pulling in athletes on one side, you're pulling in potential individuals that want to become professional athletes. How, where does, where do you see Taylor going? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, I hope it, hope it becomes something that, you know, any youth athlete can hop on and get, and get feedback from and, and, and utilize to get better and make it a part of their journey to either become a pro and, or to just get to a level that they've dreamed of getting to. I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, we'd love to have a story. A youth athlete comes on and is able to end up becoming a pro just with, you know, the feedback that they receive among other things that they're doing, because, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to have to utilize them a lot more than just Treno. But, you know, hopefully that, you know, we can get a user base from, you know, every country on the planet and, and be able to make connections that, aren't currently made and, and be able to grow every game that we're in um, and to grow the the pro athletes brands that they that they come on for. But at the end of the day, it's just helping helping our users and helping these youth athletes uh, get better. So hopefully, you know, we can grow into a big brand that, you know, is able to, you know, become another lovely unicorn within Canada. But at the end of the day, you know, we want to you know have our customers mind at first and 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 make sure that we're building a product that can be utilized by anyone across the planet and has all the sports right now. We only have hockey, basketball, football, and lacrosse. We do want to get into soccer, golf, tennis, and and any sport. So it's kind of an all-in-one tool. If you, if you play that sport that you'd be able to reach out to those um, high level athletes and high level coaches. The final question that I have from you, who is your competitor? At the end of the day, like obviously our main competitor being indirect in a way would be Cameo, which can very much, if they wanted to, you know, they could turn on the, you know, turn on the switch of doing something just like we're doing. They do have a user base already with over 40,000 celebrities and, and about 8,000 athletes on their um, platform to give personalized videos for um, happy birthdays and, and sort of just a virtual greeting card in their case. But if they wanted to, they could turn on the lights. And that's something that we always have to keep in mind and making sure that these companies that are bigger are doing that. So um, Cameo, um, Mean, I, I think it's Mimo, um, which is collecting a lot of, um, it's the same thing as Cameo. It's basically a rip of Cameo, but um, more so they're, they're directed with, you know, European based celebrities and everything. Um, they're there. Um, and then also on top of that, at the end of the day, we're also competing with, um, you know, people who hold camps as well as have platforms that um, do basic drills and everything where someone could go use that instead um, of, of using Treno. So um, there's nothing on a big scale that's doing exactly what we're doing, but there's definitely these other types of things where we have to make sure that if they decide to come in the market, which would be probably once we show that this is an actual thing that we have to keep those guys in mind and, and be able to battle against those guys too. One last question on my side is that, uh, you know, do you see an opportunity for possibly alignment with like big brands like Nike and, you know, like big Adidas and elements and maybe creating further value for connecting their professional athletes to these individuals? That's something that's been brought up a whole lot um, along the way is because of the fact that, you know, if we're having a big user base of youth athletes, you know, obviously Nike and Adidas and these sports brands would love to be able to reach into those people directly through, 
you know, their athletes that they already have. Um, maybe that's through some sort of sponsorship or some sorts of um, different sort of business ways that doesn't take away from our product. Obviously, we don't want to just have ads splattered around the product, which would make it super weird to use. But alignments in the ways of whether those athletes who are sponsored by Nike wear certain things within their Trenos, Adidas, the same sort of thing, or doing certain initiatives with each other to, to make sure that we're able to push out and, and align with, you know, their market, which is essentially the same market as us at the end of the day. We've seen a lot. Um, it'll be it'll be said once we have a larger user base to start that conversation up and see. But we definitely can see the the tie-in and the the crossover within those big brands. And hopefully we can do work. I mean, it'd be great to do work with those type of um, people. Excellent, Taylor. This has been very exciting and very interesting, my friend. Before we wrap up our show today, we've got to ask... Do you have a challenge for our, our students? Do you have a challenge maybe for a class that we can throw out there? And maybe we can get our students working on something for you. I love the idea of challenging, you know, to to kind of execute on something. I think whatever idea they may have or an idea that they've come up with, maybe putting out some sort of survey and getting at least 50 responses to help verify what their idea was, is would be great to sort of see. I think that, you know, being able to put themselves in that position and to start their entrepreneurial journey in any case that they want to would always be great to see. And I, I like to push people to, to really push themselves to be in an uncomfortable spot because getting that market adjustment and, and making sure that their thing may work um, is always always a good step to, to make. So that'll probably be my challenge. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Fuel. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel. 